Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Atlanta Sports Guys, where I am Atlanta Sports Guy number one, Chase Thomas, and I'm also joined by Atlanta Sports Guy number two because he was not having to figure out the speaker microphone <laughs> situation because we do this all the time on this very podcast. It's Max Markovich. Max, how are you doing, man? I love it. Number two on the first video podcast is great. There you go. I like big time. (laughs) That other voice you hear, Garrett Chapman of 99 The Game. Garrett, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. I I figured I might as well plug my uh, my Twitter handle right there. You know, so I'm just trying. I'm trying to think ahead, like like Wayne Gretzky says. I got to go where the puck's going. Well, I got to figure this out because this is all new. Doing the video stuff, and uh, I wanted to add a video component. Uh, when I bought the new desktop and added to the studio and all this stuff. Cause I was like, all right, the laptop, old trusty laptop after five years could not handle it. And I was like, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing video with that laptop. It's not going to work. It's going to just be a pain in the butt. And then I got all this and I was like, all right, new mixer, new this. I have a lot of power. I can, uh, I can do this. I can do this and I can add this uh, video component. So the Atlanta sports guys, we are all together, even though we're not physically together, even though y'all live like weirdly enough, maybe two minutes from where I used to live for most of my 20s in downtown Atlanta. So small world there. But we have a lot of Atlanta sports to hit on, Um, guys. I think we have to start with the Hawks because the Hawks still in trade rumors. It's trade rumor season. We've been wondering what's going to go on. People are tweeting at me asking, like, would you do John Collins for X? And uh, would Jeremy Grant be a good fit in Atlanta? And I, I can't I can't do it. it it's too much um, the, there's a lot going on depends on who you believe where things are going the only thing I know for sure guys Trey Young is an all-star game starter once again which is very cool and I have no earthly idea what Travis Link's going to do because from my perspective let's start here the fact that the Hawks are now on a what five game win streak um Okay, well, what do you do? Because now, if things are if things are improving and Travis Schlink sees a change, that has to change his calculus from what he said on Garrett's radio station a few weeks back, where he just was so somber and so upset. I, I wonder how much that changes how he's taking these calls and what he's going to do in the next couple of weeks. Because this is what he wanted, but at the same time, a lot of the stuff that he was thinking about, I wonder if he has to put on the back burner because you don't want to mess with this as they get out of this gigantic hole they dug for themselves um max what do you what do you make of all that it's funny enough it feels very similar to last year in some ways where Mm -hmm. you really felt heading to that deadline uh major moves were going to be made um and and the weeks leading up it was a lot of talk about john collins because it was if you're not going to resign him in the offseason you got to recoup some value this team's underperforming um and so that's the natural move and and it felt like things were trending that way this year where it was like, okay, major moves have to be made because this team has no business being seven games under 500. Um, but they keep winning. And, and if they keep winning, you, what are you going to break it up? You're going to trade John Collins for pieces. That, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's a lot of these deals for Collins. Like I, I believe they're willing to deal Collins. And I um, actually have a source on that who, who confirmed as, as, as a, Ooh. yeah, didn't, didn't want to drop that too early, but um <laughs> John Collins is available, but it's, it has to be now for a star. Uh, yeah. They're not going to trade John Collins for like two or three pieces because what does that do? Um, it just complicates the rotation even more. And so 
I think trading Cam settled some things, both in the rotation and in the locker room. And if they keep winning, there's no impetus to like blow it up if the right star is not available. And it sounds like some of these Simmons deals are not are not real. Like I saw I saw Tobias Harris and Simmons for Collins, Bogdanovich, and three firsts. It's just like completely nonsensical. Um, and I mean, Bradley Beal's not available. Jalen Brown's not going to be available. Um, and so there's no reason if they keep winning to make any rash decisions. I think they make a move. I think they make some some kind of move. And we've talked for weeks about um, is that Harrison Barnes? Is that a, a veteran wing type to sort of shore things up? But I think if they keep winning, they get back to 500. There's going to be no push to like blow it up as we've been talking about to consolidate immediately. Hmm. We'll see. I, I think the, the Hawks have the power now. Travis Slink has the power because it's like, he does has no need to actually break all of it up at this point, because look, as long as they're winning basketball games, like the, the way that the team that has played for the last five games, I, I think it can probably be, I think at least go toe to toe with any team in the NBA on any given day. And there's no re- need to, to break it up. Like, why would you? I mean, plus, if you traded John Collins, I mean, the shirt becomes instantly less cool, you know? So I can't – selfishly, I want him to stay on this team. So Especially to the Sixers. Like, you can't wear oh, that God, shirt. No, I can't wear this Sixers. shirt because then he's flipped and it's terrible. But I don't have that problem as an Atlanta uh, – <laughs> Kirk Atlanta Hawks legend, Kirk Heinrich. Yes. Uh, hey, remember when he was wearing that sleeve, that one-legged sleeve? That was a that was a great. How could thing. any how could anyone forget that? Dude, a mask. He had a mask at some point. Yeah, I could tell you all kinds of Kirk Heinrich. At I love Hawks. Kirk Heinrich. Kirk Heinrich's uh, a, a guy's and he's just dude's a stud. But no, I mean, but no, the Hawks the Hawks are, are I think they're set up pretty well. I think I think what Max said is like where they're going to add like a Harrison Barnes, not necessarily a star player. There's no need to because you have a Trey Young on this team, and and as long as you have the pieces around him that are filling in nicely. Why would you? So just go shore up. There's no need for a guy like TLC to get any minutes. Um, as long as you have healthy guys on the, on the floor, um, this team's fine. Um, I, I could see them going off and, and just kind of filling in a couple of the cracks for the most part. But then outside of that, like the, you don't really need to make too many moves. This is why I'm just so confused because like I was so out on so many of these guys and our direction and where we were going just a few weeks ago, and they could easily fall back into that pit. Like, this is still a situation where I'm like, bogey's still not right. Um, I don't trust DeAndre Hunter long-term. Still don't. Did you see, did you see he's back on the injury report? Yeah, it's his lower back from that, that tough fall that he took. It was the, the same thing. fall that Caruso took. Caruso yeah. took the exact same thing and fractured his wrist. I it, mean, fe- it feels like a lot of this hinges on him. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if we talk about that enough, where, like, if this team is a middle to below average, slightly below average defense, they're going to be really good. Um, and DeAndre Hunter is the key to a lot of that. And if it's the same thing, like, do we have any faith in him to stay healthy? That's that's why I really why I want them to go out and get a veteran wing because they can't. They can't. I mean, he's been great. DeAndre has been great. They can't rely on him to be there all the time. Like, it, it can't be that way. If he goes out, it can't be that they fall to you know 29th in defense and you know lose four out of six. Like, it just can't be that way. I think it's kind of it, he. It, the parallel is that, like you know, when Trey a couple of years ago, like two years ago, when Trey Young left the floor, how the offense just seemed to fall through the floor. It's the exact same situation. You just need to continue to add depth and other players who can play that role. That's why I think. I mean, there are players out there who can fill that role, who can come in off the bench uh, and play limited minutes. But like I, I, 
I'm looking for a guy who can go be like a Thabo Cephalosha from a couple of years ago, you know, like a, a solid three and D guy. Um, he's not going to be very expensive. Who's solid in the locker room. The players like him. Um, is that guy out there? He might be. Like, I mean, that might just be Harrison could be, Barnes. It could uh, be Harrison Barnes. I mean, like I think he's a guy who's just kind of solidified in his role and not, and not going to go be something that he's not like a Cam Reddish. Well, that's one of the things that like Jeremy Grant, uh, when that rumor popped up, I was like, that makes absolutely no sense for Jeremy yeah. Grant and what he wants, because everything is reported that he wants to be the guide. He wants to be like he <laughs> he might be his own worst enemy when it comes to all of this stuff, because he would be such a great player on so many contenders like in Utah is one that stands out to me of like you put him on the wing to help with Conley and Mitchell and you give O'Neal and Ingles in that spot. And it's like, oh, suddenly Utah looks like someone who could go toe-to-toe with the Suns in a seven-game series. Um, but he doesn't want any of that. He doesn't want to be the fourth option. So anyone who gets pit, like who gets pitched to Atlanta in, in any kind of trade talk and they're like, well, they want a bigger offensive role. Or they're frustrated in their offensive role. And I'm like, well, then Atlanta's not the spot for you because guess what? Trey is <laughs> not surrendering any of that. And you're going to be just as upset as John Collins has been about his offensive role. But as we've talked about, John Collins, who we all love, is wrong here. Like he is wrong when it comes to the offensive role that he has and being upset about what he's doing in this particular offense. Because guess what? This what number two in offensive rating as of right now? Like this team is fine. We watch it, we watch every game. It's fine. Like that is not the issue. It's getting stops, it's uh not turning the ball over as much, it's getting offensive rebounds and especially defensive rebounds where sometimes we're just not paying attention, uh, be more cognizant of backdoor cutting, all kinds of stuff like that. None of that is John Collins put on offense. Like that's not something that's at the top of any of our minds. So any kind of trade, the one biggest thing that scares me though about John Collins getting moved is he is the leader of this locker room mm-hmm. and you move John Collins. You cannot elevate Trey to that spot. Like that's not going to be his role ever. And we all love Trey, but that is not what he is. Like he is just not someone at least not at this stage in his career. No, but I also just think it might not be his personality. Like, I think that's just not him. Like, and that's okay. Like, if you have someone else who can fill that void, like a John Collins, that's great. Like the Draymond type, where if you bring in Harrison Barnes, he can be that locker room lead. There's some people where I'm just like, okay, that makes more sense with the Atlanta Hawks ecosystem than other people. Like, I I am you know, more cautious of that. And that's where I'm at with John Collins. You know, you know who would really hurt that dynamic? Who? Ben Simmons. Exactly. Like we don't like, <laughs> not have a team led by these two. Like and replacing just yeah. from like a chemistry perspective and mm-hmm. like a locker room perspective, replacing John Collins with Ben Simmons is like a potential nuclear bomb. Um, the, the and idea, maybe though, yeah. the idea of them on the floor together is just so tantalizing. Oh, I'm just, I'm like if if the offer was Collins and like a first, like I'm I'm doing it. Um, well, nobody's also a chance. moron. Uh, the team, yeah. oh. I'm sorry. Like you're trying to to like you, he's acting like he has LeBron James on his team. It's like, bro. Like, I mean, if he ends up, he's never going to play summer. for you again. If he gets Harden, then it worked out. Like, if that's what he does, if he did it though, a did it? Are we sure? Year old James Harden, really? Like, wasting I, wasting a like a prime prime yeah. year of Embiid is like mal. It's like mal malpractice from him. Yeah, like you again, can't no, but, waste this year. But James Harden and Joel Embiid, that combination screams championship to me I, I think those two could win a championship together um ben simmons is just never the guy but more more he's, he's also the kind of guy who's just he's just a guy who's very good i'm not i don't know if he was very good at it he just kind of he threw he threw shit at the wall and like until it until something stuck 
Um, because it's easy when you're picking in the top four every single year. Yeah, eventually you're going to fall backwards into Joel Embiid. Eventually. Um, well, no, 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 no. That was Sam Hankey. Was it, that wasn't even him. Yeah, all right. No, so it, it just seems like yeah. the guy has absolutely no idea how to build a roster. He just has some superstars in his team that, we, that I guess in this case he was gifted. Um, I think it's just to, more of like he just – the whole not wanting to lose a trade and just not wanting to – He's but terrified. It's like, he has. <laughs> He lost the Chris Paul for a Russell Westbrook trade. That's what we all miss. It's like you lost that trade. Like that was something that was uh, a net negative. We can go ahead and say that was a little, that was a loss. Like that was a mess up. Um, but if to to, to bring it back to the Hawks though, like yeah. I think I think the catch twenty two here is that the end game with Trey with building around Trey has to be eventually getting like a really high end secondary creator um, scorer like. I think eventually the best version of, of a Trey team is like a great creative wing mm-hmm. who's a two-way wing. Um, think like a like a Paul George type, obviously not Paul George, yeah. but like somebody like that who compliments him but also is able to be a secondary creator. And the problem with that is that Jeremy Grant in theory like fills the idea of that, but he's not good enough to be that guy on a championship team. And so there's no use in trying to go get that guy if he's not that guy. Like Jalen Brown might be that guy eventually, mm-hmm. um, but if he's not but available, like, there's nothing you can do. Pushing your chips in for Jeremy Hunter Grant, a healthy yeah. DeAndre he Hunter. Y'all can have I, this. I, y'all can tough. have this. Um, I'm so, no, but the idea though, no, because you see how much better this team, this Hawks team, is just light years better when you've mm-hmm. got a healthy DeAndre Hunter. But Max, I like your point. I, I like where you're coming from with that. I mean, like you get that help, that big time number two. I, I think that's the only thing stopping this Hawks team from really becoming a championship squad. Like you add that with an Anyeko Kongu down low, holy crap! I mean, this team is this team is a set up for a championship. But you can't be like the point is I guess you can't be like rushed to make that move just because the timing on your end is right. Like mm-hmm. the, it has to be that the right guy comes along, and so like matching those two timelines up is is hard. But like that's that's being a GM in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> it's an it's a, an impossible job. Yeah. Hmm. I uh I don't know. We'll see what happens ultimately, and just fingers crossed that DeAndre Hunter keeps this up because that is a layer that we have not been able to see for a long period of time. And I would like to get a lot of minutes with Trey, with Anyeka, with DeAndre, with Herder, and insert player here. Like I would like to see. I just want more minutes. I want to see more of the minute data and the five man lineups and all that kind of stuff. Three man lineups with those guys this year. But um, in terms of Trey being an All Star starter. Are we in agreement that it was deserved, or uh, if you put away, put take off the Homer gra- glasses, that uh, that he should not have been an All Star starter, Garrett? Um, it depends on what you're talking, what, what metric we're looking at. Are we, are we going from the, pl- the 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 players or the fans? Because I think there's a very clear line. Oh no, um, we're going from an act, not the fans' perspective, like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's actually something that was, that was I was just talking to my little brother about because Demar Derozan was by far and away number one by by both fans and by the players. Number two for the players was uh, what was it? Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. He had like seventy six total votes, and I think Trey Young had forty six. Um, so it was a pretty stark contrast. I, I like him as a star. I think he's absolutely deserving of of the role. Um, the only person who's probably not deserving of a starter role is Andrew Wiggins, which is just I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but he's a hooper. People forget that <laughs> he's a hooper. <laughs> no, I mean it's uh, he absolutely deserves it. I mean he's he's shooting nearly forty percent from three. Um, he's at the top of total points accrued. Uh, but for a, 
I mean, the dude absolutely deserves it. I mean, like uh, he's played it. Uh, he's had a great season, even, even if the Hawks haven't. He's the reason that this team has been kept afloat. Um, I, I think this is good. I think this is good for him. I think this is the the kind of thing that he really wants. Uh, and as long as he continues to do this kind of thing, he's going to be happy in the league um, and, and subsequently happy as a Hawk. Um, so I, I think this just says good things for the franchise. I mean, look, we got a star. The dude's quite possibly one of the best point guards, if not. I, I think he he might actually have a claim to be the best point guard in the NBA this year. Um, right up there. I mean, he's right up there. I mean, look, considering the fact he's 23, we're comparing to guys who are well into their prime. Right. I don't know. Statistically, you look at it. Um, obviously, he's not that level yet. But, I mean, hot take. Go ahead and he's say getting it. there. Still, he's yeah. getting there. It's still Steph. No, I mean, I'm still going to say it's Steph. I'm still going to say it. I can say, I can say Trey. I can say say Trey is second. And I think, I think part of the problem is like the narrative around Trey is very obvious. Like, if you want to be anti-Trey, it's it's pretty clear cut. Like, the Hawks are one of the worst defenses in the league. He is one of the worst defensive stars in the league. Correlation: the Hawks are three three games under 500. That's Trey's fault. Um which is fine. Like I can't argue with any of that, but I think those people don't watch Trey play basketball. Um, And like, they probably think a lot of his statistics are empty. And I, one of the things that amazes me most about Trey is like, there's no, you can't build a defense to stop Trey young. Like you can't, he doesn't get like, like frustrated by hard hedging screens. He doesn't like, if you make him shoot, he's shooting 38% from three, which is the best percentage of his career. Um, he can make any pass in the half court. Like you, you can't, I've, I've said it on this podcast often, like any offense with Trey is like an automatic top five, top five offense in the NBA. And I don't know how many guys there are in the league like that. There's, you probably count them on one hand. And I think that that is like, that's what all the anti-Trey people miss is like, he is legitimately generational offensive talent. And especially with some of the foul stuff, I think some of that gets like, tossed in where it's like oh he's only you know he's, he's only that good because of his because of his fouling and the defense being scared of foul him and whatnot and like his foul stuff can get annoying but I think he's still underrated like I, I think somehow he is still underrated in the league and I think the only reason this Hawks team's afloat is because of him happy he's a starter well deserving um many many more to come hopefully all in Atlanta yeah, and a lot of people still who the only people who still call him a foul merchant are the people who don't watch the Hawks play basketball. I mean, that's it's it's an absurd the, the, his development of a floater in the interior game. It's it's a it's his floater is is has quickly become one of the most dominant moves in the NBA offensively. It's it's pretty damn good, and it's it's completely it's rounded out his his game to just a level where I mean, look, this guy can he's just exceeded that ceiling has just shot straight up with that floater. And I think I think part of the foul thing is also like, like, yes, the way to beat Trey Young is to get like you have to get physical with him because there's no other mm-hmm. way to guard him. So him becoming adept at like drawing fouls is is his defense against the way to guard him. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is strategic, and I think guarding him. Kevin Herter was on uh, Ryan Rosillo's podcast this week. I don't know if you guys listened, and he was I saying like was guarding Trey Young of all time. <laughs> yeah. Every um, answer, I was like, oh, that was exactly what I thought he would say to the question. Yeah, it was, he, <laughs> he wasn't that interesting, but he was saying guarding Trey Young would be like the most annoying thing possible. And I mm-hmm. think that's accurate and also not at all a fault to Trey. Like, that is, it's part of his entire game. Um, 
I think we're we're just blessed to be able to watch him play every night. Every time I watch him, I'm like, damn, like it's awesome that he more than Anyeka because you you've become a big Anyeka and Kongwu guy, and I don't know. train, man. Yeah. I'm all in. How could you not? I mean, come on. You see that dunk, the alley oop? I did see that dunk. It was great. I saw the crowd reactions. That was great too. That was yeah, awesome. Capella's mentally Capella's already gone. It's just kind of like <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Well, yeah. uh, he's he's still the starter, but I mean, the thing is, I think last game, I mean, what we saw is uh, a clear cut the split in minutes. I think I think who was it? Uh, Clint ended up with twenty minutes on the floor, and then Anyeka Kongo had twenty one. Uh, so I think we're we're definitely the, the the handoff is happening, like the baton is being passed. Um, I wonder if he's okay with that long term. I don't know. Clint that's be, or yeah, Anyeka. Oh no, and Yucca wants it. Like that dude, um, I've jotted down some stuff. It's funny. Um, I don't know if this is something to monitor or anything, but if you see when he gets in foul trouble or something, like he is moving straight to the bench. He or he is not looking at Coach Nate. He get he takes it so personally. He's so upset when he gets pulled for making mistakes or anything like that, which I like. He is like, yeah. Nope, I, I'm just really mad at myself for getting stuff or I think it was last week where he got he had a dumb foul on a three pointer um that i i forgot who it was on but it was one of those that because he was in foul trouble for a little bit and it was just one of those it's a learning curve uh but also clint capella is not doing any of that that's something that we also have to remember is he can do a lot more stuff especially on the perimeter than you can ask clint capella to do so it's a different a different thing entirely uh he's a different kind of player but it is nice to have even if that means we never see gorgie jang in a hawks uniform ever <laughs> you mean the hawks legend Hawks legend, Gorgie Jack. Um, the last thing on the Hawks, and we'll move on. So in terms of what we've actually seen in encore production and what we've seen out of this team since uh, last week's show, uh, Garrett, what have you what have you noticed? What have you jotted down in the last few games? <sighs> the team's playing more cohesive basketball, offensively and defensively. And I think that, that starts with just elevated hustle on defense, honestly. I mean, I've seen it with Trey especially. Um Trey has played not good defense, but he's hustle. He's playing hustle defense, which is something that I love to see. Um, and and but honestly, the biggest thing across the board is that look, this, these guys are getting healthy. This is the first time that that we had uh, what was it before last game? This is the first time we had a completely clean health report all season. Actually, first for the first time since uh, I think Mike Conti said uh, February of of twenty twenty one. Oh my God. And it lasted yeah, February 2021 that, that we had a completely healthy roster. Um, and then obviously that lasted for one day. <laughs> we promptly have two people down on the injury report, but um, look, that's also the, just the nature of the league. So I think this team, we're finally getting a picture of what this team can be if they are hundred percent healthy. I think Bogey Bogdanovich is only going to get better coming off the bench. I think he's fantastic. Uh, Kevin Herter is, has to be a starter. Um, Look, this team is really damn good, uh, and, and they are about to sweep through the league. I, I'm just very confident as long as they stay healthy. Um, and look, I mean, like you have a you have an all star starter in Trey Young. Um, th- th- this whole team is just looking up, and they lo- they love Nate McMillan. They love this fan base. They just need to continue to rally around this team because State Farm Arena is a very dangerous place to play if uh, th- if those fans are, are like up and rowdy. And as long as you have a healthy Hawk squad, that's a fun team to watch, and it's very easy to root for. And dude, this this team is going to be very good. The biggest thing is getting to the five spot. 
or five or six spot because if they're in the play-in, this is a first round and exit uh, situation. They're not knocking off any of those teams in a seven-game series. I don't know. I don't know. I, I could see them knocking. I, I can see them really giving some trouble to some of those top teams in the East. I mean, trouble, they're, they're, sure. Do they win the series? No. Maybe I, I it just depends. But it depends. I, I don't. I don't think the Cavs are set up to win a series. The, I don't the, think the Cavs will be in that. Though. I don't think that the Bulls are, are really set up to be like a really dangerous team once you get through. I, 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 I think they're a great story. They got a lot of good players. They remind me of kind of like the 60-win Hawks team a little bit where they're going to be given some trouble by teams they probably shouldn't uh, give them trouble. They're a very good regular season team. That's just what they look like to me right now. Well, it seems – I'm going to hold off judgment on Chicago until I see what they do with the Patrick Williams trade chip. Like if they okay. turn that into Barnes or something like that and they just have a five of Levine, um, DeRozan, uh, Harrison Barnes, Vooch, and uh, who's the other guy? Who am I missing? Who else? It's not Kobe White. Who who else is on this? Uh, Lonzo Ball. Ball. Lonzo Ball. Yes, I knew I was. Yeah, yeah. I was just Ball. looking at the roster. Yeah, there's... that's a five but, that I mean they can they can do a lot of stuff. But if you're the Hawks, think... as long as you avoid like the net. I know I'm looking way too far ahead, but as long as you're the Hawks, if you're the Hawks, as long as you avoid the Nets or or the or the Bucks, I think you're fine. I think you can but advance. I also think the beauty of like the beauty of last year is that this team is going to walk into any series and think like like True. what we're they're not going to walk in there and be like oh the Bucks like. We have no chance. Like it was they took them to six last year. Trey was hurt. Like they're not going to walk into a series with with the Chicago Bulls, who have less collective playoff experience than the Hawks by quite a bit, um, and say like, "Oh, like we're not favored." Like, and so I think it's it's one of the things that I've really felt about this team for a while now is that so much of they're so young, and so so much of it is built off of like confidence and momentum, and like there are always those videos after after the game of like. Guys walking back to the locker room, like after after they beat the Bucks and they came back and won the first of the, the five game win streak, and they were like, "Oh, Trey was like, you can't can't start a streak without the first. And so it's so much of that where they just need to get their confidence back, and I think that they've got it. And so I'm not really worried that much about like play. I, it's not a title team this year, probably, um, and that's fine. And like that that's just sort of the expectation. But like they're also not going to be like scared of anyone. Um, yeah, we saw that last year. I don't think it's a scared situation. I just think it's more of like an odd situation of it's just the NBA. We heard this last year with the Lakers in the seventh spot. And it's like, Oh no, it's the Lakers in the bottom seat. It's like they lost. That's just how it works. All the top seats, generally speaking, win the NBA final in the NBA playoffs. It's a very, very home court advantage centric sport. Um, it's fun when it happens like the Warriors doing it to Dirk in that number one seed. And maybe that's what it would be with the Bulls Hawks in round one, but it's just, you don't want to be in that spot. So if we can avoid that spot, that would be great because I would feel better. Um, but it's also just seems like based on what this team has looked like in recent weeks, almost like they needed to put themselves in a bad spot to get motivated for the season. I really do feel like they kind of needed to go into this kind of really rough patch to kind of be like okay now we have something to play for we need to catch up like that's something the urgency it's like the yeah, urgency the is like they, they needed a fire under their ass and yeah. I, I think that's a that's kind of a uh, negative comment on um on mcmillan in general like how could but you not get them motivated for the season but and i think it's just the way last year went they were just like i we're just ready for the playoffs and it's like no that's not how it works you got to get up and do 82 games all over again and you have to put yourself in a position to capitalize on that and unfortunately that means you have to show up for the majority of these 82 games or you're just you cannot re- you can't have one without the other and i think that's just part of a learning curve it's not NBA 2K. You can't hit sim and yeah. sim to playoffs, you know? <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, these are also professional athletes. You don't need to – you're paid a whole hell of a lot of money 
to get up and play and to do go do all of these things. And I think that was something that we were really missing um, from this team is, is just like that sense of urgency. But Max, like you said, I, mean, I, I think they have that sense of urgency now where it's like, hey, we're really getting dangerously close to being too far out because Eastern Conference is way too talented at the top to for, for any of those guys to really slip. Um, and the Hawks have really played themselves into the situation where they will need these guys to slip. And it's getting dangerous, and I think they saw that. And honestly, the sense of urgency just picked up. And that, I mean, that's why I, I think this team is about to be turned on. Um, I mean, we'll see if DeAndre Hunter plays tonight. I think if he plays tonight, this streak can keep going. But if he doesn't, we might be in trouble. Absolutely. It's a good Celtics uh, team. Good Celtics team. Oh, I don't know about all that. Uh, they're playing, they're, I mean, they're playing good basketball right now. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I want DeAndre Hunter versus Jason Tatum. I want to see what that is. Like. Um, it looks like five for 22. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um, Braves, quickly, Andrew Jones. Do we think he's ever going to get into the Hall of Fame, Max? No. Um, I agree, unfortunately. I don't think there's like a real objective case for it. And I think the subjective case is like he was insanely fun to watch and mm-hmm. did some really cool things on a baseball field, and we all loved him, um, which is great. Uh, I. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Andrew Jones memory as a brave, not as a white Sox where just the memories are endless. You're putting me on the spot. I, I thought he was like the, the most fun center fielder to watch, like track a fly ball. Uh, that, that like, I've, I don't know. I don't even know why. Like, it wasn't like he was the best defensive center fielder I've seen, but it was mm-hmm. just like, I wanted to like be him. I wanted to scale the wall and rob a home run. Um, <laughs> And I think that that was like kind of because I mean, at that age in my life, uh, that was the whole thing is like I wanted to like emulate these like the players that I watched. And he was the one that I wanted to emulate the most, Um, which is a fun, nostalgic thing. But that doesn't get him into the Hall of Fame, unfortunately. I think his numbers, his his votes increased, what, to like 48 percent or something. Mm -hmm. How many years does he have left? Two years, three years? He has a couple more than that. I'm pretty sure. He's only been on the, I don't think he's been on the ballot for as long as we might. I, I think he's only been on the ballot for two years. So and you get 10. So 48%. He's going to come close. I think he's going to be very close. He, I think he will end up in the Hall of Fame just because I think Braves, the Braves as like an organization, uh, were very, very successful in the time he was there. He was a, an ever, and he was the everyday center fielder for that team um, for like a decade. He was, and that was a team that won, I think, eight pennants. Eight pennants, excuse me. They won eight division titles in that time, or something like that, when he was in, on the on, in the organization. Mm-hmm. They played in. A, he played in a few World Series. He won a, a dozen Gold Gloves. He and he could hit the ball very effectively too. I, I think he does everything that that you really see a Hall of Famer do. Um, Is selfishly, really yes. selfishly, I say yes. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer objectively i think it'll take him a few more years um i think and i think it'll be close um right at the last minute yeah i wonder if there'll be like kind of especially with with bonds now like officially like the bonds clemens era officially like not getting in if there'll be any sort of re because otherwise i mean how many like how many guys are going to get in period from this era so i wonder if there'll be like any reconsideration of, of writers being like I don't even Riders to get into the mental gymnastics. Stubborn. They're so stubborn, man. They're the man. This the whole. I don't know where you guys fall with the whole Barry Bonds thing, but I think it's just an absolute travesty that the man didn't make it in. I think oh, you made a your, joke. Yeah, you made your point. You made him wait until his last possible year. 
Um, but he's still objectively the greatest and most dominant hitter of all time. Like steroids aside, but that's also a, a part of, of, of the story of baseball. And you put in the commissioner who, who I, I propped all of that up. He knew, he knew what these guys were doing. He, and he said, and they helped save the game of baseball in the nineties. And it, he made it in. And so, a, but you're not going to, but you're not going to let in the guy who was the most feared baseball player ever. Like it's a museum that, telling telling the history of baseball, and you're going to leave out you're an not era gonna, of baseball. You can't just you can't just like pretend it never happened. It's it, it's it's a it's a stain on 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 the legacy of the sport. But Barry Bonds is still Barry Bonds. My God, I mean, I've I've kind of grown up a little bit. Like when I was a kid, I used to I hate the idea of Barry Bonds. But it's like the dude, the dude, the, he is a central figure in the story of baseball. Period. I was like JT Snow kind of guy, <laughs> but but you but you can't tell the story of baseball without the home run leader. The home run leader is probably up there with like points leader, uh, a career touchdowns leader, or something like that in 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 any other sport. I mean, like it's it's one of the most sought after uh, and desirable records to ever have, and it's Barry Bonds. Period. Yeah, and I I love that y'all are making these points with what Barry Bonds broke uh, in terms of Atlanta and how his home run chase affected a certain uh, beloved all-time great in Mr. Henry Aaron. So it is interesting that there are a lot of Braves fans uh, pushing for Bonds to have gotten in uh, because there was a lot of vitriol um, years ago uh, when he did pass Hank Aaron. And there was a lot of like, Aaron's our one true home run king. And then Barry Bonds is not, it's like the, not our king uh, was just kind of the sentiment. And now it's a lot, a lot of it's changed, but it is interesting that a lot of people are, it seems to me, a lot of the folks who are a lot more passionate about Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens getting into the Hall of Fame uh, were not that passionate in, it in the last couple of years. And now it's like, oh, now that it's over, it's like, oh, whoa, what have we done here? What what have we done here? But it's like, I don't know. I'm not really I don't want to say actions have consequences, but it's just more of like, I don't know, man, like he Barry Bonds, if none of that happens and we don't all just go, yeah, that was probably part of his uh, routine at some point in his career then he's in like his pirates numbers were bonkers. Like he was getting in regardless and Clemens all time K's leader. Like he was going to get in regardless and they made choices that ultimately prevented them from making the hall of fame. And now baseball has this disconnect, but I also, my bigger thing is less about the athletes. Cause I, whether or not they're in the hall of fame, you like the memories are still there. You can't zap that. It's like when you take a Heisman away from Reggie Bush, it's like, <laughs> Well, no, I, 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 that season happened. I saw what Reggie Bush did in that uh, insane season, and the USC-Texas memories are not going anywhere. So you can wipe as much as you would like, but that's still there. So that's how I'll look at just the Hall of Fame and guys not getting in. But I don't know. I just – it's fine. I just don't enjoy the writers who are like, oh, here's my ballot. Like the the folks who post their ballots and are just like posted nothing or the, the trollish holier-than-thou behavior – by a lot of old school reporters is nauseating for me. And I, I can't, I could do without all your childhood them. heroes aren't as good as my childhood heroes. Well, it's not just that of like, here's yeah, my, but that's the vibe I get from him. It's, they're just it's like a, the writers are all this holier than thou crap. It's a it. BS like moral litmus test yeah. that like has nothing Ugh. to do with what the point of the hall of fame is. Like mm-hmm. it's not some like the hall of fame is not like a character assessment. Like, <laughs> no, do, do you I, tell this? How do you tell the story of baseball? You cannot tell the story of baseball and just omit one of the most significant chapters in recent history. I and also, also don't then, think this would have blown up if Ortiz doesn't get in. 
I think that's right. right, right. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer anyway. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he's a designated hitter. He only plays half of the game, half of the game anyway. I mean, he's maybe the best. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But the thing is, it's like, but you can't do that when he was on the exact same list as a lot of these other guys who who were, were blasted for PED use. He just played on the right team and won the right, and he won championships. That's it. And then he played nice with reporters. Like, I, I respect the hell out of David Ortiz. I really do. But you cannot let David Ortiz in and then and just completely expel everybody else. That's the point, too, is, like, what what scale of steroid use and, like, what do we even know about all of these people's steroid use? And then you're getting into, like, who, like who meets that threshold and who does Like, it's just so dumb. Yeah, it, I mean, the writers is. stood right next to all of these, all of these, like all the, the, these lockers filled with the PEDs. They knew it was all going on. They didn't report on it. No, because it was helping their numbers. Man, I mean, speaking of PEDs, uh, Andrew Jones, uh, user, <laughs> not user. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, fifty-one home runs, fifty-one home runs, just got out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, I, I don't know, but ultimately, we'll. We'll see what happens in the coming years, but it seems like yeah. Andrew, I think, could go either way. Could go either way. Um, we'll end on the Falcons. Um, I want to get y'all's perspective. Um, now that we've had the full season, the 17 games, they're over. Uh, Dimitrov was on uh, 6-8 today, and I listened to what he was saying. Dimitrov's a likable dude. I would like to hang out with Thomas Dimitrov. I would enjoy talking football with that guy. Um, but I want to end here. Matt Ryan. What uh, when you look at the season and what he brought to the table for the Falcons, um, Garrett, what is your your full on feeling of Matt Ryan uh, for this past year and going into next year? Uh, he's going to be the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons in 2022. Mm. And I, I think he's going to have another big. I think he's I mean, it, it was it was a disappointing season for a lot of reasons. Um, Matt Ryan didn't keep alive his 4000 yard streak, which was a bummer. Um, but. He also didn't really have anybody to throw to. I mean, it doesn't, and it doesn't help that you're being guarded. You have your offensive line made up of a gargonzo bean. Um, and a, and a, I think John Chuckery called it like a tomato can or whatever right next to him. It's, it's just, it, that doesn't help. I mean, you've got to help the guy out. You got to get him some, some weapons, but Matt Ryan will be the quarterback on this team. He's owed $42 million or something next year. He's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, I, I think he showed at times that he still has what you need to win. Um, on top of that, this isn't really the best draft to, to go get a quarterback, and I'm not ready to hit reset on the team completely in, in terms of quarterback. Because I think once you hit, once you draft a quarterback, your clock starts. And I don't think the, Haw- the, the, excuse me, the Hawks, the Falcons are ready to hit that clock yet. So, Max, be here. Yeah, I think I think we're maybe underrating the possibility of a comeback season next year for Matt Ryan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't look at this year at all. And what think, qualifies like, as a comeback season, by the way? I just mean like a bounce back, like a like statistically to um, a, a better year. Like like a, like I think I think the general consensus on Matt Ryan is that he's like on the descent, which I I think objectively he probably is physically, but I don't I don't think it's impossible that he would like he would like come back up. Like I don't I don't know how to describe this graphically. This with Breeze, right? Like in New Orleans, like you could Breeze could have still won a title in those last couple of years. Like you could right. still and, do it. I think we're like we're talking about a guy who played who played most of this year with Russell Gage as his top wide receiver. Taji uh, Sharp, with, maybe actually. Taji Sharp, Alamani Zacchaeus, uh, mm, names that we don't really want to hear again. Um, and his <laughs> best his best receiving options being a rookie, nineteen year old, twenty year old tight end, and a converted running back journeyman. Mm. Um, and we can 
say that like we can't say that enough and, and, and not to mention like a really pretty bad offensive line um and while not i don't think either of those situations is going to be perfect next year i think there's a good chance both are better and i think we've seen throughout matt ryan's career um he thrives in the second year of a new system and that happened with their cutter it happened with kyle shanahan obviously and i think we're maybe understating how much Arthur Smith's hands were tied by the personnel this year and specifically by not having Ridley. And I think there's a good chance that this offense next year bounces back to be like a top 12 offense in the NFL. And I think at that point you like after next year, you have a ton of options with Matt Ryan. Um, Mm. You could, you could trade him. You could resign him at at a lower, um, a lower price tag, probably you could part ways and move on to a new guy. Um, you really, this is the last year where you really don't have a ton of options. And so I think being fine with Matt Ryan next year as the starting quarterback is the right way to go. Cause I mean, it's a rebuilding year anyway. Like I, I but I think the biggest story is not actually Matt Ryan. It's still, I think we talked about this two weeks ago. It's, it's Terry Fontenot. Terry Fontenot needs to continue to hit in the draft because the biggest for, for all of the, for how cool he is to hang out with, Thomas Dimitrov missed in the draft far too often. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we ran into a lot of the issues we did where we, we have so much dead cap money is because we just had to lump money into guys who kind of worked because that's really all you had. Um, and then you had to go out and do and go sign a Ray Edwards because he has just absolutely no idea how to sign a, um, to, to effectively draft a defensive lineman who can rush the passer. But I, I think Terry Fontenot and some of the guys that he got last year, I think we're going to continue to see some development from them. I think Arthur Smith is still the guy to do that kind of thing. I think he's, I think he's going to be a great coach for this team, but look, the personnel has to get better uh, and we got to get this money under control and, and that you're not going to do that by just extending uh, the, the life of this contract with Matt Ryan. We've got to get through this $42 million, just kind of suck it up and just sort of take it. Um, because it first, can't keep kicking the can down. That's my biggest thing is I want to see what we get for Calvin Ridley. And also, um, not great this week. We didn't even touch on this, but Calvin Ridley liking the tweet that someone sent him about uh, being a Miami Dolphin, and uh, it would be good to see him there. And then I didn't see that. It, yeah, so yeah. he liked the tweet. I saw that, Miles Garrett that or he had uh, tweeted about it. Yeah, so <laughs> that's not great. Um, I do. I do wonder when that'll pick up. The, Ridley the Calvin stuff. Ridley, the Calvin Ridley patience level has just dwindled. I just no, want but answers. I, I just want to know. Like, I just want answers. I want this to be addressed in some capacity, like in some capacity, instead of just the quiet doesn't help anybody. I also think, you know, ever since Terry Fonda has taken over this job, he's been on the deep. He's been on the defensive. Like he, he had to extend Matt. He said this. I can't believe he said this actually, period. But he, he had to extend Matt Ryan in order to field an NFL team last year. Like that was the situation in year one. And I, if we trade Ridley, like which will be annoying for a number of reasons he's gonna have four picks in the top 60 um and that's the first chance he gets to go on the offensive here and to like Mm -hmm. really put his stamp on building a roster and so like that is what i'm excited for and so like ridley if he wants out whatever that's annoying move on and and four picks in the top 60 is like a a benchmark of this rebuild of like you get these four picks right and things are are looking up Look, you get those four picks, but you get those four picks right, and then you have Tom Brady's likely. I honestly, I'm starting to feel like Tom Brady's about to retire. I feel like he's on the way out. Uh, I feel like he's at least fifty percent of his uh, of him is, is like, all right, it's time. But Sean Payton's gone. On top of that, 
the NFC South, and then and then Matt Rule and Carolina are doing whatever the, the hell they're doing in Charlotte. Um, but the they're, they're doing something. I bring bringing back a slick back hair, bit Jim, uh, like McAdoo or whatever his name is. What, ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo. I call him Jim. He ben looks like Jim. Jim. <laughs> Same thing. Whatever. But slick back McAdoo uh, is his offensive coordinator. I mean, like, look, the NFC South is wide open, wide yeah. open. So you you hit on four picks in the top sixty. We're talking this next year. They're gonna they, they won seven games with this this like makeshift roster. This is a team that with Arthur Smith, I think you can continue to develop the squad that he wants. This is a team that could take over the NFC South very quickly. Yeah, like within the next couple of years. I don't know. Maybe if not I'm, next year. There. Next year is a little still a little but close. But I think I mean we're a half, we're a half we're potentially a half step ahead of four rebuilds in the division. And like that's a huge. If it all comes down to getting the next quarterback right, like mm-hmm. that's it. And I think we're in a tricky situation there where we're not going to be able to bottom out next year and get a quarterback in the draft that we really need. But I don't everywhere else, either. I don't either. But like, I, I do think that that might be the best course of action. And I don't, I don't think they're willing to take Blake it. Had exactly one year, one year a bad just non-franchise quarterback play. He's done one. And that's that's the year before Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Correct. So Joey I don't Harrington, think, Byron Leftwich. Yes. So I just don't think he has yeah, any he... interest in that. I don't think an owner who is at his age and put in as much as he has and the way he looks at the NFL and how quickly you can turn your fortune around where he's like, no, I, I'm, hold on. Is that is that correct that the NFC title game is featuring two quarterbacks, uh, two teams that traded for their current quarterback in the last couple of years? Like, no, if we can't, if Matt Ryan's not the guy or we move on from Matt, no, we're going to trade or we're doing something to contend still. Like he is, I don't think any interest in doing that. that would I just be think like I, you're, you're right. But like, that's so exceptionally misleading. Like mm-hmm. the, it's it, this year, especially owners like, and GMs would look like that. Owners will point to that. of Like you can do it. Like you can do it. This, this year, this year, especially is such a, a, a perfect example of why, like trying to like cheat your way to a quarterback, um, not in the draft, like doesn't work ever. Mm-hmm. And like, what are we going to move a second rounder for the next Sam Darnold or a conditional first for the next Carson Wentz? Like I'm, I'm good on that. Like it has to be through the draft, but that's, that's really the next, the next issue with this organization is I think that there's a good chance they get the rest of the roster, right. But like finding the next quarterback is, is not going to be easy. But then you can also become the next Denver Broncos where the, the entire roster seems to be right, except for the quarterback. And then you just don't get a quarterback. And then you get Aaron Rodgers and you, then you go get Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so I'm uh, down. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I bet every single Broncos fan in America would be down with that too. I am. I'm interested to see what a lot. Of, I think there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff that happens this offseason in the NFL. Um, as long as I don't have to hear Aaron Rodgers' name four or five times a week. Well, that's unlikely. Uh, <laughs> it's a weekly spot on a pretty popular uh, podcast slash radio show. Um, guys, there we go. Video pod number one in the books. Um, this was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for joining me and uh, looking forward to doing more of these video pods going forward. Um, don't forget, we can find Max on Twitter, Max underscore Markovich. Follow Garrett at GCHAP ATL. He's got it down there in the, in the handle. <laughs> Stand ahead of the curve. I like it. I'll fix Garrett. that. <laughs> I need to fix that. I'm still Gotta figuring go out how to, going, man. I'm still figuring out how to spice this up and all that good stuff. But um, Hawks. We'll see what happens next Friday. It could be a completely different show. Who knows? We we don't know. We, we, hell, aren't they? they are. They really are. But I'm okay with this current streak. This current streak's fine. And uh, let's go watch them off. Thanks, guys.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.